Welcome to the Decades of Strength podcast. Four women born in four different decades on a mission to help you eat right, get strong, and feel confident in your body. We have all struggled with our body image and confidence at some point, which is why we came together to create this podcast, to remind you that no matter how old you are, you can do this. All you need is support and us, your four empowered besties, to help you crush it on your health and fitness journey. Join us each week for an episode packed on not just what to do, but how to actually do it. We share the crap that no one else talks about because you deserve to succeed and we love keeping it real. Whether you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, or beyond, we got you covered. From four badass women to another, know that we love you, we appreciate you, and you deserve to feel good in your body. Now let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of the Decades of Strength podcast. I'm Kim Schlag, and I am hosting today along with my lovely co-host, Sam Altieri, and Marcy Nevin, and Sarah Duff. Hi, ladies. Hey, Hey, what's up? Hey, everybody. Not too much is up with me. Let's see what everybody's been up to recently. Uh, I'm going to jump right in because I have a fun question to ask. (laughs) Marcy Nevin. Marcy went on a date this weekend, and I haven't heard how it went. So we're going to put her right on the hot seat. (laughs) Yes. Marcy finally has an update. I never have an update. Oh, man. So I feel like this is only going to be interesting if you've been listening to the episodes for a while now, because I would say, I don't know, maybe six, eight weeks ago, don't remember how long ago it was, I told a story of this guy who I met who lives down the street from me and has an in-law unit, which is beautiful. And it's right on the trail where I walk every morning. It's right down from my gym, right by Trader Joe's. It's like a perfect location. It's this beautiful spot. I was like, oh my gosh, this is my manifestation in-law unit come true. It's also $4,000 a month. So (laughs) that's not going to (laughs) happen. But um, anyway, so I told this story meeting this guy and who owns the the unit and i i drove by one day and just kind of asked him about it and he was a kind of a standoffish at first and i was like all right screw you buddy and then a week later i ran into him on the trail and we stopped and he remembered my name i didn't remember his and we just started kind of shooting the shit for about i don't know a good 10 minutes and he ended up asking me out for coffee and at that point i did not, I wasn't interested one and he wasn't really my type. So I was like, I really appreciate it, but it's just not the best timing. As people know, probably I just got out of a very long-term relationship and that was kind of still in limbo. And I was honest with the guys that I'm just not really in the right headspace to go out on a date. He's like, okay, you know, fair enough. Well, I guess the universe just works in mysterious ways because I see this guy everywhere, everywhere. Like, <laughs> at least a couple times a week on the trail, at the gym, you know, wherever. And of course we live right by each other, but I do not see other people who I live near ever. I'm like, why am I seeing this guy all the time? <laughs> so the more we interact, the more he's really started to grow on me. And I realize, oh, we have a lot in common and he's got a really great energy. Just like, I like his vibe. So I ran into him on Thursday while I was walking and I just said, you know what? I'm going to walk him back to his house. So we probably sat there in front of his house for a good 20 minutes, just talking about stuff. And again, we have a lot in common and that was fun to see, but he ended up 
asking me, not like a date necessarily, but he's like, do you want to go hiking on Saturday? And I said, absolutely, let's do it. So we woke up super early on Saturday morning, went for this amazing three hour hike and it was wonderful. Like I really liked the guy. The only problem is he's got four kids, he's divorced, which I thought was done, but he told me on the date, oh, my ex-wife is trying to get back together. She wants to work on things and I don't really know what to do. It's been two years, but I feel like for the past year I've been in limbo. So I don't know. That was kind of a quote unquote red flag. So not like a red flag, but I'm just like, oh, are you really available for something? So I don't know. Mm. We'll see. But I, okay, this is the funny story. Sorry to take so long, but. This is fascinating. Okay. So on, and and you know, like I've been doing a lot of personal development work and I watch videos, I read books now that I'm single again about dating and mostly from the perspective of male dating coaches. And they say, always wait for the guy to make the next move to follow up with you. That will show if he's interested. If the guy really likes you, he will reach out. Well, I didn't hear from him that day. I didn't hear from him the next day. And I'm just kind of like, eh, maybe he's not interested. Maybe it was just a friend thing. Well, I've been going to the gym a little bit later on Sundays. So my workout didn't finish until about eight o'clock. And then I needed to go to the store to buy my kabocha squash. Like all I was getting was one squash. And on the way home, I ran out of gas. So I had to, and luckily I was right down the street from my house, but I had to walk home. I saw you on your stories with your squash. It's 8.30 at night. I'm carrying one like big ass kabocha squash. I look like hell. Like my hair is just a mess. You know, I've got these like baggy clothes on for my workout. And I thought to myself, I was like, oh, Ray is staging his house today. And when I drove by his house to go to the gym, like they were still out there doing the work. I'm like, hmm, maybe he'll be out there. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to walk by. So sure enough, I walked by, he's out there. Uh, and I stopped, I was like, hey, you know, what's going on? How's the staging going? And he invited me. <laughs> Look at me and my squash. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not so, taking my squash like, for a walk. <laughs> I know. Oh my God. And then I had to tell him like, oh, I ran out of gas. <laughs> like, oh, what a loser. <laughs> <laughs> and his friend was there. His friend was there. He's like, what are you carrying? Like, he's like, is that a medicine ball? I'm like, oh, I'm squashed. <laughs> so, oh my God, it's like dirty dancing. She carried a watermelon. You're going to be known as, oh my God, the girl who carried the squash. It's going to be your wedding cake topper. <laughs> <laughs> it will be. It will be. So anyway, this guy, Ray, that's his name. He's got great energy and he is a realtor. So it was Sunday and he's dressed up and like this really nice suit. Like he is looking good. I'm like, wow, Ray, you clean up well. So he gives me a whole tour of the house. He's all excited about it. And yeah, we probably sat and talked for maybe, I don't know, 20 or 30 minutes with his friend. And, and that was it. Then I left. Um, and then I ran into him again yesterday out front of the house. Cause now they're taking pictures to put it because he's putting the house on the market. So anyway, um, so I've run into him a few times, but there hasn't been like a text to say, Hey, let's do that again. It was fun. Mm -hmm. So who knows? I'm just going to stay open to the possibilities, but I kind of at this point (laughs) really wish that I wouldn't have written him off so soon because who knows what could have happened if I had said yes, eight weeks ago, you know? 
Mm. Hey, maybe the timing though is even better now. Yeah. Yeah. And for anyone out there who is single, um, I would say, you know, be open to possibilities and for someone who you don't think is necessarily your type to like grow on you. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So it doesn't have to look a certain way. Maybe like put that ego aside or what you think it has to look like. And yeah, just stay open because people can surprise you. So all right, totally. we're going to be following this, the uh, updates on this story. In well, I hope it episodes. goes somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, you look like you wanted to say something. Oh, no. I was oh. just saying for some reason. Kind of forgot where I was for a minute. <laughs> 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 well, let's jump into our episode topic today. We, uh, a few weeks ago, Marcy was talking on her stories and she had shown a new built bar and this was not the point of her story. I don't remember what the point of her story was, but I noticed um, it's something that just really irks me, the packaging. And then maybe they've always said this and I didn't realize it, but it says zero guilt in nice big letters on the bill bar. And this is something that just gets under my skin because I feel like it's something I've certainly bought into for many, many years, right? Um, kind of this catchy marketing stuff that they do that helps us be like, oh, this is good for me. I can have this without feeling bad. So that's our topic today is we're going to talk about food morality, what it is, why it might not be serving you. Um, so ladies, why don't we start here, um, either with yourself or with clients? How do you see moralizing food playing out? Sam, let's start with you. Yeah. Um, ooh, where do I begin? I guess I'll start with myself. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I bought into that BS for a long time, um, and I'm still actually, like, realizing little ways in which that dieting culture and that food morality plays into my life, um, even, that, like, almost subconsciously, too. Like, I will choose to have something because I'm like, oh, I should have this, right? And it's like, who says I should have this, right? So, like, for example um yesterday like I've just been questioning a lot of my my food choices lately and yesterday like I had a a big ass salad and put a bunch of stuff on it put some sweet potato on it had um some sort of protein all these things and I was really also craving a piece of toast random but in my head the first thing that came to mind was I shouldn't have toast I already have sweet potato right? And it was this like, you can't have what you want. You get to only pick one carb source, right? Which like what ended up happening, right? Is like that came up for me. I didn't really acknowledge it until after. And then what did I do at like three o'clock? I had a piece of toast because I was like, I just wanted the damn toast. And I couldn't stop thinking about the stupid toast. And <clears throat> that, that goes on to for like all high fat, high carb, anything that's basically not lean protein and veggies. And I just don't crave lean protein and veggies all the time. Like who the fuck does? If they <laughs> quote unquote do, you're lying to yourself. And I used to be in denial. Like I used to tell myself I don't like bread so that I didn't eat it so that I didn't go down the rabbit hole of continuing to eat it. And so now I'm in a place where my relationship with food has become so much more healthy and from a place of like, I eat what I want and I don't eat what I don't like and I'm not totally in love with and I just put that stuff aside and I just really eat what I love 
and I love bread. Like I love cinnamon raisin English muffins. I love big ass salads too. I also love sausages, right? Like I never used to let myself eat sausages because they were way too high fat. And I'm like, no, actually they are really fucking good, even though they look weird. (laughs) So I'm really challenging like any belief around food. If I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have this or like, what's that story and where does it come from? Um, And oftentimes it's just like the pervasive dieting culture. And what ends up happening is I would just overeat, whether it be like me eating all these other things to satisfy that actual original urge, which would have been like, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of calories over than what I just wanted in the first place. Um, And so just, and it's still something I struggle with. Like it's going to be something that I have to be aware of that for the rest of my life, because I, once, once you've dieted, you always get to um, unlearn those patterns. And so it gets easier and easier and easier, but I just want to like also say that I'm, I'm very much like I'm never going to be like totally out of that. Like it'll be a constant thing I unlearn. Um, so yeah, I've definitely struggled with it. Holy crap. Um, my clients too, like we had a group coaching call the other day and one of them was like, holy shit, this is just what I needed. We were talking about um, just like honoring your hunger and fullness in your body generally. And um, she's like, I, after our call, I just sat down and I made myself a plate of nachos and I was like, oh my God. I totally had been like subconsciously not allowing myself like I was giving myself permission with an asterisk right or it's like I can have this but only so much and so sometimes we just really have to let ourselves have the thing so that there's less energy around it like it's just like oh yeah I can just have nachos anytime I want and that makes you not want to eat your fucking weight in nachos (laughs) so um yeah it is something that like really has like fucked up my relationship with food and I'm very much unlearning it and even just this morning literally I was talking to Kurt and I was like thank you so much for just like allowing me to process all this like I'm still processing it like and for me to like just be able to eat Cheez-Its without you judging me or like me asking to have some of your Cheez-Its and like just being such a weirdo with food to unlearn all this stuff like thank you for letting for just being there as I navigate this too. Um, because he's never had a fucked up relationship with food. And when I see him eat, I'm like, oh my God, it must be so nice, right? Mm-hmm. To never have had a struggle with food when I'm unlearning all the things and observing him has been a, such an eye opener. So yes, Thanks, I can Sam. relate. <laughs> you know, yes. I really like how you talk about unlearning and um, that you really emphasize that this is a process because so many, I'm going to, I'm sure there are many men as well, but so many women have this, they don't even realize how much there is to unlearn and just first seeing it and then hearing that, wow, okay, this is a process and it's going to take time and it's not a one and done kind of thing where we have like some realization like, oh, I don't have to have like a moral view of my food and then we're past it. So I appreciate mm-hmm. you sharing that. Sarah, let's hear from you. Um, so I can totally relate to everything that Sam was just saying. Um, I kind of think, so I waited until I got into my mid-30s before I decided to um, screw my relationship with food up. So I was a late bloomer bloomer in this this course of action. Um, But yes, after I kind of got swept up by the uh, bodybuilding world and competing and all of that kind of stuff, I, I just 
like form some very weird um, associations with food. Um, I was the cheat meal thing was very much um, something that was you know I lived by, and my God, did I feel like I had cheated every time, like every Saturday night, um, and it would it would after I'd eaten it, it would either go one of two ways. Um, I would either, I'd have the occasional night where I'd be like, okay, yeah, I enjoyed that, but now I feel guilty. So now I need to go and move my body more or, you know, go and exercise or go to the gym or whatever it is. Or it would send me on a complete like bender of like eating everything and any, anything I could putting Nutella and cereal onto rice cakes and just shoving them in my mouth, like, you know, oh just my God. not even <laughs> anything. I can relate so hard. You're like trying <laughs> to make even, this thing and... Yeah, how can I make what? these as... Everything that's in my cupboard, I'm not really allowing myself to eat because it's good or bad or it's a treat food or it's a... All of this. Let's get it and put it all on one plate, pile it on top and then eat it all at once. And then... Just so ridiculous, um, and so like I lived like that for you know a few years, and then I was just like I've been kind of you know worked on slowly undoing all of those um, like random like morality labels that were attached to everything. Um, cheese was a big one for me that was good or bad. Bread for definite. I didn't eat bread or potatoes for like a good couple of years. My God, did I! had I missed them but weirdly enough I chip crisps what do you call them chips I call them crisps you call them potato chips. Potato, potato chips yeah. yeah so since I have been on this um you know a candida changing my diet and just doing various things um I have stopped eating pop chips which are like the lower calorie version or the good crisp shall we say mm. um i've stopped eating those and i've started eating full full fat naughty crisps like kettle chips again which is just like i started when i started eating them again i was like why have i not been eating these for like oh the God, last yes. many years and i was like oh my god it's literally because in my head on a subconscious level even though when i was going in and picking them i was like Oh yeah, it's because I like these ones better. It's so crazy, dude. I can relate. You like yeah. lie to yourself about it, but you don't yeah. realize you're lying. No. Oh my god. All I ever wanted was full normal crisps, kettle yes. chips. I just did this with veggie sticks too. Yes. I was like, no, I want fucking cheeses. I don't want veggie sticks. I don't want to eat eighty veggie sticks. They are not the same. I don't um, care if they're airy and I can eat more. I want the dense ass cheesy chips. <laughs> yeah hell hell yes um so yeah it's it's so like crazy how much that stuff embeds in your mind and plays out in all kinds of scenarios both consciously and subconsciously um mm -hmm. and yeah like also just to say that you can develop this kind of stuff it doesn't all need to come from like younger life like me, mm -hmm. get into later life and, and then decide you're going to start doing it. <laughs> I think sometimes, I think sometimes with it, there's, um, so if you look at like, I don't know, CrossFit or you know, whatever the modalities are that then have this like cult thing that comes with it. So paleo, for example, 
there can be a lot of that that then people go into and all of a sudden like they've never heard of paleo before but suddenly it becomes a religion and then mm-hmm. they become, this is bad and this is bad and it's just so it can happen to anyone anytime in life so I would just say to anyone listening just watch out for it like whenever you're going into anything new and make sure you are making your own decisions remembering that food is just food it doesn't have it's like ridiculous attachments so mm-hmm. yeah so that's that's me. really good stuff thanks sarah marcy oh wow i can relate to all of that everything that you guys said i was like oh i have a story about that oh i have a story about that mm-hmm. um i mean my gosh my i would say disordered eating because i did have a disordered eating relationship or not relationship but um past which started I would say it really started in college, but maybe it kind of began even more so in high school now that I'm thinking about it because up until I would say my sophomore year, I ate whatever I wanted. Before that, I was self-conscious about my weight. And so I was doing things to try to lose weight, but didn't know anything about nutrition. So I went to my mom to ask for help. Like, how do I lose weight? What do I do? And she was just giving me the advice that she had heard or that she had tried. So, oh, we'll do this cabbage soup diet together. Or, oh, eat low fat, eat less sugar. So I was trying these things and just not really knowing anything about what I was doing. So we did go on Weight Watchers together, but even that wasn't restricting food. It wasn't labeling food as, as good or bad. If you wanted a Big Mac, you could have a Big Mac so long as it fit in your daily points. But when I was a senior in high school, I came across this book called Body for Life. And that in that book, it was all about clean food, not clean food, and then having cheat days. So you ate six small meals a day and it was three meals of protein, like a starch. So sweet potatoes, brown rice, and then a vegetable. And in between those meals, you would have a shake. And then on day seven, you could have whatever you wanted. And he called that your cheat day. So that's probably where this good food, bad food mentality of mine came from. And then when I went to college, that's when I got really into reading the fitness magazines. So oxygen, muscle and fitness, hers, all of those, and all of those like diet culture wars were very prevalent. So yeah, good, bad, clean, not clean, um, cheat days, all of that. And, oh, I was in the weeds at that point. So I (laughs) remember being in my sorority and basically living on egg beaters that I would microwave and smell up the entire sorority house. Oh my God. Oh gosh. (laughs) Microwaved egg beaters. I can't believe it's not butter spray. So I put that, I would put on everything. And then I would take Splenda, powdered Splenda and cinnamon, mix it together, put it all over my eggs and think it was like French toast. (laughs) That's kind of what I was trying to make. (laughs) That does not sound good. I I would not eat. It, It actually wasn't that bad. I'll be honest. Um, but I would not eat real bread. Occasionally I would have oatmeal. Uh, but yeah, I, my diet was pretty much egg beaters, cottage cheese, protein shakes, chicken. Oh gosh, vegetables. And Basically like all the diet foods. All the diet foods. All the diet foods. 
sugar-free oh. jello i can't believe it's not mm. butter spray all mm. the splenda all the, like the fake stuff in my coffee diet coke i chewed two packs of sugar-free gum a day oh just to keep the hunger and the cravings managed i did relate oh my gosh it was disgusting oh. like no wonder why i had gut issues right i just so that lasted a long time, probably throughout my early 20s. And then when I was 24, I found an online coach who basically was one of the first people who I would call, or I would say started this like flexible dieting movement. So when I hired him, he did put me on a meal plan, but I was eating things for the first time that I had not in years, like cheese and potatoes and oatmeal and fruit, which all seemed like, you know, fairly healthy foods but those were absolutely forbidden in my mm. mind. You know, like those foods would make me fat. I would not touch them with a 10 foot pole. Uh, so I worked with him and I actually got really lean eating all these foods. And the other thing that we were allowed was after our workouts, you could eat basically any low fat carbohydrate source that you wanted. So I was eating candy, sugar, um, excuse me, frozen yogurt, sugary cereal, all of these things, again, that I had put off limits for so long. But the fact that I was actually seeing myself get results, I was like, oh, okay, maybe there isn't anything wrong with these foods, right? So that's kind of what helped shift that mentality for me. Mm -hmm. But then uh, my health was an absolute mess. And so to what Sarah was saying about paleo, I was going down the rabbit hole trying to find ways to manage my health because I was not getting answers from doctors. So I found paleo, started that. Um, so cut out gluten, cut out dairy. And then I do have an autoimmune disease. So then I came across something called autoimmune paleo. And I was like, oh, this is going to be the thing. And that cuts out gluten, dairy, grains, nuts and seeds, eggs, chocolate, coffee. Oh, alcohol. so you eat air? <laughs> Yeah, nightshades. Oh, so what you can eat was probably so like much shorter. Oh, oh, yeah, it was basically meat, meat, vegetables, sweet potatoes. I couldn't even re eat regular potatoes because they're called the nightshade. And nightshades are supposed to be really bad for people with skin conditions, which I do have. So that lasted six years. I mean, I remember oh. on my honeymoon, like eating, <laughs> eating bacon for breakfast, and that was it, <laughs> you know? Um, because there was so much stuff that was off limit. Yeah. It was, and I, like, I was still in the thick of that until last year when I met Vince. And uh, mm. for anyone who doesn't know, Vince Pitstick is with Nutrition Dynamic. He's been my coach for the past year and a half. And like, he gave me my life back. He really did. So he fixed my gut. And then once my gut was fixed, I really, I've been able to eat most of the foods that I had to cut out. So I still don't do dairy. I still don't do gluten. Um, but I'll never forget this conversation where I had, or that I had with him because he put me on a meal plan too. And the meal plan that I got was all of these foods that I had not eaten for years. So eggs being one of them. And I texted him, I said, Vince, I, I can't eat eggs. Like I was terrified of eating eggs. He's like, sweetheart, your gut is such a mess that you're probably reacting to any food they're eating. So at this point, eggs are the least of your concerns. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. Uh, and one, when I started this protocol, like the bloating that I had had for years went away pretty much overnight. And it was crazy because I could tolerate all these foods that I thought that I couldn't. 
but yeah, and that was that was really hard um, for years just to be. And I was able to do it because I do have good discipline and willpower, and it just became like part of who I am. So I never felt like I was white knuckling my way through things. But I still at times find myself like reading labels or questioning, oh, should I eat that? Is it going to make my autoimmune disease flare? So like Sam said, it's a lot of of unlearning for sure. But I don't so much do the good food, bad food thing anymore. I know that I can incorporate anything that I want in moderation. So I feel better with that. But like to Sarah's point, those pop chips, I love those freaking pop chips. I actually would rather have the pop chips. And Kim, you and I have talked about those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would rather have the pop chips than, because I don't really love potato chips, but I would take those over, you know, fatty potato chips any day. But the thing that I was going to say, and this goes back to one of Sam's comments about the conversation that she had with Kurt and, you know, thank you for being patient with me and thank you for allowing me to eat Cheetos or Cheez-Its and not judge me. My issue to this day still, especially when it comes to men, is that I have a hard time eating in front of other people. Not like eating in front of other people, but, um, like I know when I was with my ex who could care less about food, like he had to force himself to eat. I would never want to see, I wouldn't want him to see me eating something that was like unhealthy, like banana chips or that I thought was like a more of a treat Mm. type food. So banana chips, or he used to buy those pop chips and I would wait for him to like go to the store or go into the other room before I ate them because I didn't want him to see me as someone who was like, oh, like she's emotionally eating or she's, you know, she needs those types of foods to feel good or something like that. It was this very kind of weird mindset. And I think that came from my first marriage where I was in the pantry one day eating probably, I think I was eating pita chips or something like that. And my now ex-husband walked by, he's like, oh, there you go. Like eating in secrecy again or and I was like, what? Excuse me? Oh I like, I don't my do God. That. And he's like, yeah, you do. He's like, you do it all the time. <laughs> I was like, oh. It's like, I, yeah, that was, that oh was like, my God. So, that was so embarrassing. So embarrassing. That's like traumatizing. It really, yeah, no, it really was. Um, and it's like, I can I just say, it is never okay to comment on somebody's food or body, no. but food. Okay. It just like, it really can fuck people up. I can say, yeah, I say that from experience. I don't know, like, I don't know if, if I really like put the pieces together, right? Um, but it definitely had an impact because in my next relationship, yeah, in front of Jeff, I was always, uh, I guess, yeah, embarrassed to eat anything that was really almost like food in general because this guy could like, didn't like to eat. So I was like, oh, there's something wrong with me because I actually like to eat three or four times a day and- you know, you could drink protein shakes all day and be fine and like forget to eat. Right. So that's something that I'm still kind of trying to unlearn myself is that it's okay to eat food. (laughs) I'm doing the same thing with Kurt because my appetite is bigger than his. Oh yeah. (laughs) And I used to feel really self-conscious about it. Totally. And I one time asked him, I was like, do you judge me for eating as much food as I do? (laughs) And he's like, what? I've never even ever thought about that. I'm like, wait, you've never judged me for eating? And I think that's like a very normal thing for females because like we're told like we have to stay small and like you should eat salads and like have a small appetite and like don't eat too much, you know, like be a lady. And I'm like, fuck that. I'm an athlete. I need to eat food, right? And I'm, and, 
and then when I say athlete, I mean I move my body. Like I have a higher energy requirement because I have a higher energy output. And I think him just he, he even said that to me. He's like, You work out, I don't. <laughs> Duh, you need more food. I was like, Oh, yeah. I would you. I would even like put it on my coach. I was like, Well, Vince is making me eat all this, you know, so it's his problem, not my I'm just I'm just following my orders, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's that could be a whole other episode, but I just I wanted to share that. So for listeners who have just heard you know, this conversation and they might recognize some of themselves here and maybe for the first time, because this is not something that everybody's eyes have been open to yet, or maybe they're, they're seeing that um, this is a pattern they're noticing. Why don't we go around and kind of just maybe give like one thing that we think that they could do that would help if they're struggling kind of really in the mindset of moralizing their food. I'll go first. I haven't really talked too much here. I'll just talk really quickly about something from a parenting perspective. This is something I do. Um, I'm going to say specifically with my daughter, it's not that I wouldn't do it with my sons. It's that she's the person spending the most time with me now because my boys are older. Um, And I'm at a point where this is really right in front of my eyes. And so when we are grocery shopping and just kind of, you know, putting things in the cart and talking about things, I I point stuff out about this to her all the time. We just did it the other day at the store. Um, she likes popcorn and she'd wanted smart food and they only had skinny pop or vice versa. And we're talking about, I'm like, aren't the names so interesting that this is how they've named them. I'm like, you know, they're both really delicious popcorns, but that one doesn't make you skinny. And this one is not a smart choice necessarily. It's all just popcorn. And so then we, we, I really talk with them about like, what do the label say? And what does that mean? And like, Oh, like this cookie says we can eat it guilt-free. Like, why do you think it says that? And so I think it's really important to have a, an open dialogue about the stuff with our kids so that they can be attuned to that so that they don't stumble blindly upon this, this in their behavior 10 years from now, right? Like that they just kind of soaked that in. So that's, that's the one thing I would say is keep an open dialogue with yourself, frankly, if you, if you don't have kids as you're walking, really start noticing what did the label say and why did they say that and question what it means. And then definitely with your kids as well. Uh, let's go to you, Sam. One quick piece of advice. Yeah, I love that, Kim. That's such a great, um, that's like a really great exercise to do like grocery shopping, just mm-hmm. like, because you're going to do it every week. So it's, you just get better and better at being aware. Um, yeah. So I think for me, the thing I have my clients do is like make a list of their quote unquote, like fear foods or um, foods that they have never allowed themselves to eat. Um, and also they're like worth it foods. Like what are the like hell fucking yes foods that they are like, if they could go out to a restaurant and calories didn't matter, what would they order? Um, and so just helping them get really clear and like, what are they scared of? And then what do they love? Um, and then the, um, the action step with those lists is not to just make the list and then continue eating is like the way that you were is to take one thing on your fear food list and start incorporating it into every single day until you don't feel like having it. Um, So you start to just build normalcy of this food. It could be, um, I had a client just do this with avocado and cheese. Like she wasn't allowing herself to do that. It could be, for me, it was like Cheez-Its. I did this with peanut butter. I've done this with bread. I've done this with biscuits. I've done this with ice cream, pizza. Like I've done this with all the foods that I was scared to eat. And it's so freeing. Like it's scary, but that fear is the thing that keeps you stuck in the place that you feel like you're bound by all these rules. So um, starting just with one baby step, um, overcoming your fear, and then starting to build in more of those worth it foods and let go of the other stuff that you're not a hell yes about. Great suggestion. Sarah? Um, 
I would, something that I get my clients to, which I guess is kind of similar to Sam's, but is to get really clear on what your individual rules and um, wording actually is. And then just ask yourself, where did it come from? Why, you know, why did I develop that in the first place? And then just question, is that actually true? Is it making me feel good? Or, you know, would it feel better if I let that go? Um, and just viewed it as food. Mm. Love it. Fantastic. Marcy. Yeah, kind of going to back to our episode that we did a couple of weeks ago about the power of language. So helping my clients change how they actually talk about the food that they eat. And still, no matter how many times I say there are no good and bad foods, you know, they still are in this mindset. And because yes, it takes years of unlearning, like we were talking about just now. Um, but just telling them that, yeah, there are no good or bad foods. There are more nutrient dense foods, less nutrient dense foods, you know, foods that maybe you should eat more often or in greater quantities more often and foods that you should eat less often, uh, or in fewer quantities, but not like, yeah, like you said in the beginning of the episode, can not having the morality around the food. So just because you had the donut or the cookie or the ice cream or whatever, not, not saying to yourself, oh, I really screwed up because I had the donut. It's like, no, you didn't. Like, it's just part of what you ate, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it can really be as simple as that. So changing the language around it being a bad food think is really powerful. Great point, Marcy. Thanks for this discussion, ladies. I think people will find it very helpful. And we're going to end there. Listeners, thanks so much for being here with us. And we will be back next week. Yay. We love you guys. Thank you. See you later. Bye. All right, that wraps up another episode of the Decades of Strength podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. We know that life is crazy and time is precious, and we really do appreciate you spending your time with us. If you love this podcast, please subscribe, review, and rate it on iTunes. Tag us in your stories on Instagram. Send this to your friends. Please, please, please just tell everyone about it. We are determined to have the biggest and the most inclusive community of women sitting at the picnic table together. We love you, we appreciate you, and we can't wait to hear what you think of this week's episode. Four women, one mission. We are the Decades of Strength. Sam, Marcy, Sarah, and Kim. Catch you right back here for our next episode.